Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. You're here with your host Liam and Bill. Welcome, Bill. Yeah, good to be here, Lee. After a big Easter weekend of footy, I all started off on the Thursday night with Crows versus Tigers. Yeah, big game and a lot of upsets. Not a uh, not a lot of tips went down for us. I think I went about three or nine, and I think your one upset of the week was the only non-upset we saw. Yeah, I think I've gone two out of nine, which is pretty deplorable. So uh, it's all up from here. I think we're uh, still. Uh, I always start the year a little a little week on the tips, just looking at last year rather than the present. Um, I think we've got a few teams already that are doing a little better than we thought. Speaking of teams doing better than we thought, I take it that your Supercoach teams started with a bang, Liam. Yeah, sitting about 1,400th overall, so it's doing pretty well. Um, team the SOF, if anyone wants to follow it, a bit of the science of footy team out there. Um, doing pretty well, hit a lot of the good targets on the head. Started without Dangerfield, though, so I'm hoping that that doesn't cost me too much and I can bring him in at some point. But um, yeah, Coniglio and uh, Cripps, those mid-prices working for me, and um, Ford Options getting up there too. Unfortunately, not as great as staff me. I'm sitting at about 12,000th, but, you know, still within striking distance. Yeah, you had a tough start with the rider injury and uh, Zorko giving you a record low score in the first match. So it's all up from here. A couple of trades, a couple of tweaks, and you'll be back in it too. All right, we'll jump into some coverage of the round one games. Like we said, started off on Thursday night with the Crows versus Tigers grand final rematch. Yeah, um, Crows got over the line in that one by about six goals in the end, and um, they looked really good. Had a couple of injuries during the game as well and still managed to pull out a really impressive victory. Yeah, so a few injuries, as you mentioned. Matt Crouch going down, I think it was in the first half, and he's going to be out now for three to four weeks, potentially a little bit longer. Rory Sloan also going down hurt at one stage, having to come off the ground, but he came back on and helped the Crows to a good win. Yeah, we saw Crow's depth in their midfield sort of pulled them over the line here. As you said, Crouch and Sloan both going down with injuries, and we had players like... Obviously, Gibbs, I think people underestimated the impact he would have coming in. He got 20 contested possessions on the night. And we had Greenwood and Cam Ellis-Yolman popping up and having really impressive games. Really impressive game, too, from uh, big Josh Jenkins, who was all over Alex France, particularly in the first half, and managed to finish with five goals. Yeah, Rance and Asprey just didn't do the job, did they? We had Tex and Jenkins both popping up and kicking a lot of goals. We had Asprey with that horrible sideways kick towards the end of the game that really, really cost the um, Tigers. So good news for Tigers fans, got to see Dusty Martin up forward a bit in this game and managed to finish with five goals and really impressive performance. Just a lazy five goals, how can he do it? He's getting 40 touches one week and kicking five the next, he's just, he's incredible. In really good form, I also joining him up forward was Josh Caddy who managed to kick three goals but then unfortunately, uh, and unfortunately for my draft team, managed to get himself suspended for one week with a pretty suspect elbow that's lucky to probably only get the one week there yeah just went out and gave someone a bit of a whack and that was always going to get a bit of a suspension so not good news for the tigers we good news for whoever's playing them this week um well, yeah we had lots of players play well on the day rory Laird's just in impressive form with just a lazy 42 touches he's just got leather poisoning at the moment yeah your number one pick in our draft league paying off big time there lee yeah a bit of a questionable one at the start all of the mids i wanted were gone so i went uh, went positional went rory Laird, and oh, he's been uh gangbusters for me so far more good news for Adelaide. Not only did they get the win, but Tom Dedee's picked up the Rising Star nomination with a very impressive game down back. Yeah, two really good scores. He should be in everyone's regular Supercoach team. We've said it before. He's just slotted into that lever role and he's playing it really well. He's just floating around, getting the intercepts, getting the touches, and um, he looks really class at uh, first grade level. And did you see at the end of the match there was the uh, altercation between Hardwick and uh, the Crows fan? Yeah, things getting a bit heated there. Um, apparently what was said was something along the lines of uh, you can't win it when you're not at the MCG is something along the lines of what you were saying during the finals last year <laughs> uh, yeah Tigers definitely helped along I think a bit by obviously the fixture in there copying GWS at the MCG um, with the massive crowd advantage and then obviously having that 
um, unearned home ground advantage in the grand final, definitely a big factor, I think. Just interesting. And it was interesting to see Dimmer buy back. That's obviously a bit of a sore spot there. You'd normally see the coaches sort of leave that behind, but he's yelled back and there's an AFL investigation into this now. And um, got people like uh, Rocket came out during the week and said, you know, the coaches shouldn't have to walk through all the fans getting down to the ground. Do you think they should be having alternate ways to get them through or is it should they suck it up a bit and just walk on through? Oh, I mean, you know, like these incidents are pretty isolated, so I would say it's not really a large problem. And, you know, I, I enjoy a good yell at the coach uh, every now and then. <laughs> uh, we'll move it along. And I don't think there was any footy on Good Friday, was there? Was going on to the Saturday? Or... <laughs> pretty sure you've been keen to talk about this one for a week. Uh, North giving the uh, Saints an almighty hiding in the end on the Good Friday football. Yeah, it's not often that I uh, lose my interest in footy, but I left that game and I didn't really want to watch any for the rest of the week. It was that bad. It was. I've never seen a team look look that shocking in a long time. So first half, that that could be said of both teams. The halftime score, both teams sitting on two goals, 10 behinds, 22 points each, and just truly an awful first half of footy. Yeah, I think um, I think it was McDonald's or someone was donating money for every goal that was kicked. I think there must have been a memo sent out that it was behinds, not goals, because they were <laughs> kicking behinds whenever they could. It was just nothing would go through for either team. I actually think I had a pretty good idea at halftime to uh, you know spice up the game a little bit. It wasn't very entertaining the first half. I thought maybe the losing side could get cut from the league. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, Liam. Yeah, maybe maybe a little uh, too strong there. I wouldn't want to see that, but um, I, I could see a lot of players getting cut from those teams come next week, come selections. I, I expect the axe to flow, especially for the Saints. Um, North ended up turning on in the second half and had a few impressive performances. Uh, big Ben Brown kicking six rolls, uh, helping himself to some super coach points there. Yeah, definitely. Um, just was a superior Brown. It was Brown v. Brown, and Nathan Brown got an absolute bath. He was he was just dominated by Ben and um, one of the best players on the day. Another big boy for North, um, Todd Goldstein, was really on top of Longer, and Longer went down with an injury. He was getting getting beaten comprehensively beforehand, but once he was injured and we were playing, you know, Bruce and people through the rough, Goldstein just got on top. I think St Kilda's just one-handedly single-handedly um, telling the competition that everyone who thinks you don't need a Ruckman, you do, because Goldstein was just one of the best players on the ground and really helped North Melbourne to the win. Third, uh, tall for North firing as well, Jared Waite looking in a vintage form. He's picked up 24 touches, 13 marks, six tackles, one goal and two behinds at, what, 34 years of age? Yeah, career best form, that's what Scott said, and I guess uh, maybe he had something to it because he was all over the ground marking everything in sight. Um, on the St Kilda side of things, there's only probably two players or three players that can lift their heads up high after that game. Jake Carlisle was super impressive down back, and the captain, Jaron Geary, sort of showed the league why he's captain and his one percenters and tackles and coming off the ball at the right time was really impressive. We had a bit of a conversation during the week, uh, obviously off air, where uh, you were saying that North's youth was no good. Lee, uh, change your mind there a bit? Yeah, um, I think I just changed my mind more on St Kilda's list than I did North. Um, they didn't look very good on the day either, and Really, when you look at the stats and the people that played well, there was really not that many people on the ground that had really outstanding games. So I might not step down from that one, but yeah, I was giving them a bit of a bath prematurely, I think. And just to rub it in a little further, unfortunately, Paddy McCart not able to add to his goal tally. So now one from two games, trailing yeah. that 40-goal prediction. <laughs> yeah, that one's not going well for me, is it? Um, but it was sort of just the whole St. Kilda forward line that couldn't fire, I think. Bruce Membry and McCartan didn't kick a goal between them or something like that. And, you know, when that's happening, it's just just completely out of swords forward line. Um, yeah, we were talking about Paddy all week. Um, you think that he's maybe not going to make it or do you reckon I might come good on that prediction later in the year? I'm pretty certain he's not going to kick 40 goals this year. Um, it was good to see him chasing and tackling. Um, you know, a few good marking contests he made, but uh, I'm not really sure that he's got the, the sort of ceiling that you're expecting from a number one pick at this stage. 
Yeah, there were two good, a couple of good points in the match where we saw him do chase down tackles from behind, holding the ball and a big smother. So he's trying to get that defensive aspect to his game and he's trying to get to the ball, but uh, that's probably not the game for him to star anyway. Um, we'll have to wait and see in the next few weeks whether A, he holds his spot in the team and um, B, whether he can kick a few roles for me. We'll move on now to the Saturday games of football. And the first one was the Blues hosting Gold Coast down in Melbourne. And this game is all about big Tommy Lynch managed to kick through eight roles. Yeah, amazing on the day, and um, I got caught by one of the April Fool's posts um, come Easter, where it was like, Tom Lynch kicks eight, and uh, let's go in like an interview, who is who his uh, preferred team he might trade to is, clicked on it, and it was it was April Fool's, so it got me, but um, he definitely did his uh, trade value no harm in that game. Yeah, absolutely, whether he goes or whether he stays, he's going to be looking at a huge pay packet now, I think, and uh, well-deserved. Um, on Carlton's side of things, a big key forward, Charlie Kernow. Obviously, I've backed him in for 45 goals. He managed to get through uh, his two goals this week, which is good, keeps him on track, and managed to pick up 18 touches and six marks. So, still looking pretty impressive. Yeah, he's great, but not even the best Kernow on the ground for me. His brother, Brother Ed, uh, got 38 touches. He was all over the ground and um, one of the people that would have been a steal in your Supercoach drafts coming off an injury last year if you managed to pick him up. He was, he was outstanding. So you'd have to say, overall, pretty uh, disappointing effort from... Carlton, I think they probably would have been penciling this one in for a win pre-season. Definitely, and um, I I don't know whether we overlooked this during the week, but the Cairns trip back is uh, one of the furthest ones to travel in in footy, and they were coming off a huge wet weather game that would have been really tiring, but Gold Coast and North didn't seem that affected. Both got the wins on the weekend. Yeah, didn't seem to have too much effect on either team and didn't have too much effect on Jared Lyons. Uh, You mentioned, Liam, that you were picking up a few uh, Gold Coast players in our Supercoast draft league looking for that next Gary Ablett, and one of them that you picked up is Jared Lyons, who managed to pick up 36 touches, one goal, and I think scored about 150 Supercoach points, but unfortunately on your bench. (laughs) On my bench, so I had Tommy Rockcliffe score me a 17 on field and uh, Lyons go a 150-something on my bench, so that lost me the game, that decision, but... Yeah, I think I picked the right one there. 26 contested possessions. He's the one doing the hard work after Ablett left. He didn't score too well last week in that game in the wet, but he was going at 30% efficiency or something in the, in the horrid weather. So I didn't want to jump jump at shadows there. And he came out this week and showed how impressive he can be as that um, inside bull. Not a lot of positives coming out of this game for Carlton, I don't think. But one thing they would be pretty uh, happy with is the former Zach Fisher. Looked really good on the weekend. Very lively type. 18 touches, a goal, and 8 tackles. Yeah, he's your classic forward. Can push up the ground a bit into the midfield. And he's one of the younger players that really did look good for good for Carlton. And I do think he's got forward status in your Supercoach draft leagues if he's one you want to look at picking up. Um, on the Gold Coast, uh, closing on the Gold Coast, they have been impressive. Won their first two games under, under the new coach, Jew. And... Um, now they'll be really tested and we'll see how good they are because they have sold their next game, as we all know. They can't play their first 10 games at home. They've sold this one over to play um, as a home game in Perth against Frio and then they're going to stay there for the whole week and play the Eagles in Frio the next week. So that's a really hard road trip for them, two really tough games over at Optus Stadium and um, we'll see if that 2-0 can maintain and whether, whether they still look as impressive after that um, road trip. Next game on the list is Pies versus GWS. I've got to admit, I was expecting a bit of a thrashing in this one. Didn't didn't eventuate. Yeah, this was the one when we were talking about our model and the uh, tipsters, where um, the tipsters said that this was going to be the biggest differential game of the weekend, whereas our model said it was probably Melbourne-Brisbane. And um, this game was closer than the bookies thought. It was really tight and really only pulled away in those last few minutes, GWS. Pretty similar to last week, the Giants had a whole host of stars who were all very impressive, but uh, probably the most impressive I think this week was Stephen Coniglio, um, picked up 27 touches to go alongside 7 marks and 3 goals, just looks in, in really good nick this season. 
Yeah, I wonder what his Brownlow odds were at the start of the year because they'll be short now. He might have picked up nearly six votes in those first two games. He was really impressive. Um, another one, an older boy that Delidio ran a little through the midfield, and that's the best we've ever seen him play for GWS. Bit of a low bar to say, I think, the best that he's played for GWS because he hasn't really <laughs> put in the performances yet. But a uh, bit of a story here. I was offered a trade this week in our draft league, uh, Tom Phillips, as a, a midfielder, and uh, I called him a potato. Um, so, <laughs> bit a... Uh, Bit harsh on that there. He's actually come out and proved me wrong. Picked up thirty six, sorry, thirty two touches, ten marks, and a goal to uh, yeah, sort of rub my face in that one. I think that always happens when you you call someone out and then they'll come out and prove you wrong. He was great on the weekend. One of one of the pie's best players, and yeah, maybe his ceiling's a little higher than you thought originally. But speaking of younger players for Collingwood, did you see Broomhead's injury? Yeah, um, Anderson Silva style leg break on this one where you see the the leg just flop around that goalpost. Not good. Yeah, for anyone who didn't see it, running at full pace. Leg hitting the hitting the goalpost and pretty much just snapping in two and bending around it. A oh, horror injury, one of those you hate to see. And it wasn't the only one for the day. We saw Scully break his ankle and we saw uh, Moore do his hammy. He'll be out for a month as well. So oh, horror injuries all around in that game. Saturday night saw my Lions take on the Ds up at the Gabba. And, uh, well, we found ourselves 42 points down at one stage and then managed to get back to level. But unfortunately, Ds kicking away in the end. And uh, mainly thanks to Jesse Hogan and Jeffy Garland who picked up nine goals between them. Yeah, just a couple of couple of key players there who got the got the match won pretty much. Um, Hogan's five was impressive. The Brisbane Lions will be hoping to show up their defence in the coming weeks because I know last week Bruce and Membry kicked a few good goals um, in the Saints Lions match, and now Hogan and Gartlett sort of getting on the board, um, looking to change that next week. I I reckon. Yeah, starting out of the middle, I think just sort of you know that that pressure that's not really coming through the midfield, looking good actually, much improved winning through uh, clearances, particularly at stoppages this season, but. Definitely still an area where we're, we're really not helping out. Your defenders there, Harris Andrews, McStay, Darcy Gardner, um, competing well, but unfortunately, just the delivery coming in too often to really stem the tide. Yeah, speaking of that battle in the midfield, we saw Clayton Oliver have 35 touches and 11 clearances. Really was one of the better players on the ground. You had Zorko bounce back a little bit from a poor performance the week before, but we're used to seeing Zorko and Beams get those 35 touches controlling the ball, but not really happening so far. Yeah, Zorko, a bit poor in the first half still, and I was sort of writing him off, ready to trade him out of the team, but uh, he's managed to get himself over the time there. I think he ended up with 105 and, yeah, improved in the second half. Um, on the Lions side of things, I think players that we could say played well, Louis Taylor, once again, pretty impressive performance. Um, human cluggage going in hard, a lot of contests, and really hitting the packs hard, which is good to see for such a lightly framed player at this stage. And probably the main one, Charlie Cameron, just continuing his impressive start for the Lions. Um, really great second efforts, managed to pick up three goals. Yeah, the Demons were seeing double a little bit. We had Bundy and Cameron both get 16 touches and three goals, the exact same stats between them. Both looked really dangerous up forward, and um, yeah, that Cameron trade's looking like a steal now, even though at the time we thought he might have paid a little much for it. He's been one of your best players over the first two weeks. Yeah, worth every penny at this stage, and hopefully he can continue that for the entire season. Definitely uh, one that the crowd's come to see and adding a lot of excitement to the game, so... On a bit of a negative side for the Lions, I'd say Alex Witherden, um, expected to be going close to the rising star, hasn't really had a great start to the season. Still picking up the stats, but some of his kicking's been uh, quite poor for someone who's renowned as a bit of a sharpshooter. Yeah, that race sort of really has opened up now. We see a lot of players sort of stepping into that. We First week, everyone thought Jack Graham's going to have that award now, and now it's just swinging all about. I reckon there's a lot of players who, who can fancy themselves for that award. It was Witherden's sort of hands down, and um, it still could be his his award to lose, but you're right, his touches haven't been as effective as last year. Sort of seeing a role change or just, just a just a lack of the effectiveness? Just seems to be taken a bit casually at the moment. You know, he seems to 
maybe you've read a few articles about himself, you know, that he's a great kick or something. Backing himself to take difficult options at some times and not really coming off. But yeah, just look, looking a bit lazy with some of his kicks. We'll move it on to the next game, which was uh, Freo versus Essendon. Um, did you catch this one? I was a bit busy watching the uh, the Lions with our comeback there. I managed to catch the last last probably 15 minutes of this game, but a uh, game mostly won by then. A pretty impressive performance by Freo. Uh, the Optus Stadium factor, that got them over the line. Um, some impressive stadium um, at the end of the game. They had the, the flashing lights going all around and um, looks like everyone's enjoying watching footy down there. Do you think the crowd was a large factor in the win? Yeah, definitely. A very impressive venue for watching the football. I think seeing 60,000, close to 60,000. And uh, yeah, just a really great spectacle. And crowd obviously getting behind the uh, the Frio boys and their midfield sort of taking control in the second and third quarters, um, led by Nat Fife, 29 touches, seven marks, five tackles and a goal, looking back to close to his best. And Connor Blakely, one in my draft team, who I wasn't too happy about his week one, but he's come out and picked up 30 touches, 86%, cracked a ton, which is good to see. Yeah, Blakely doing a lot of that work off the half-back line, pushing up into the middle, which is a really important position and one that um, Frio really hopes that he continues that form into next week. Uh, Nat Fife, we saw him get bullied a bit by the Port Adelaide midfield. They really put a lot of hard bodies around the ball and sort of limited his impact and his ability to sort of stand up in the contested situations. But this week against Essendon, who really have a bit of a lighter body in midfield, um, definitely took full advantage and was one of the best players on the ground. Yeah, very apparent to see Essendon struggle through the, uh, the contested situations there. So obviously we know once they've got their run and gun sort of style up, full flight, counter-attacking footy, they're a very good side to watch. But uh, yeah, probably blueprint there for a few teams coming up against them in the in the next few rounds. One of the midfielders in that um, Essendon lineup who has stood up is Devin Smith. He's a highlight machine. He's, he's just amazing and um, was probably their best player close to on the day, getting touches and putting that scoreboard pressure on. That's exactly what they would have wanted from him. Yeah, 13 tackles from Devin Smith, and I was very happy to see that. One of the forwards in my draft team, so I was cheering on every tackle, and yeah, really good to see for him. Um, obviously, couldn't really crack it too much midfield time at GWS, playing a bit up forward there, but he can do a uh, yeah, mid and forward, he can do it all. One other player that's really, really surprised me this year is Matt Tabner. Come from the clouds, he kicked four goals in this match and looked really impressive, coming off big bags of goals in the JLT matches. Is is he for real? Yeah, looked good in the preseason, and he's one that Freo fans have been hoping would sort of come good for a while now. I've had a few disappointing seasons in a row, it's fair to say, but looking good for this year, and it'd be interesting to see how many he can get on the board this season. And I've got a bit of a younger brigade down back as well who sort of performed quite well. Is there anyone in that Freo defense that you thought played a really good game? Uh, once again, another one from my draft team, very happy with Luke Ryan. Um, picked up 22 touches, 12 tackles, and put 106 supercoach points on the board to back up his 92 from last week. So I was very pleased with that performance from him. And that uh, defending performance by that back line sort of was uh, mirrored in the ability of the key forwards for Essendon, like Joe Danaher, to have an impact on the game. Yeah, Danaher, we mentioned him last week um, saying that you know he played res- relatively well last week and but fans wouldn't be happy with his kicking. But this week he's just had a shocker. He's had 14 touches going at 35%, seven clangers, three free kicks against and not managed to kick a goal. So very disappointing from Joe. Yeah, they'll really need him to step up and get back to that best footy if they really want to push towards finals and some more wins this year. We'll move on to the next match, which was was a bit of a WA weekend, really. Um, Eagles getting over the dogs um, from underdog status. Yeah, so the the wheels seem to be falling off the dogs' wagon here. Um, Obviously, Premiers in 2016, not that long ago now, but probably at their lowest point for quite a while. Yeah, it's um, the pressure. 
that was what they did in their premiership year. They were renowned for that pressure. You couldn't get an easy touch against them. Um, on the weekend, the Dogs conceded 124 marks to go with their 119 that they conceded the week before. It's just that's not the pressure brand of footy. They're just getting the ball around the ground too easily, and um, that's why they're losing games. Their brand of footy has changed, and they're not able to consistently put on that um, that tackling and that pressure footy. Lots to think about for Bevo, obviously. Um we mentioned last week the loss of Libba would probably hurt them, although they did have a few players step up on that inside. Um, Jack McRae, 31 touches and three goals, very impressive. And Toby McLean finding himself in the midfield quite a bit, um, 31 touches for 125 supercoach points, very impressive. I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Jack McRae is the most underrated player in the competition. He's outstanding. I'll listen to the conversation about whether McRae is a better footballer than Bontebelli. He comes out consistently every week and puts out these great performances, and I think he's very underrated for mine. Better than Bont, big call. We'll have to keep a close eye on that one. Uh, could be a good call, though. He looked very impressive. Um, for the Eagles, someone who looked pretty impressive, Liam Ryan, uh, took a great mark. Yeah, he took a huge screamer as well, Ryan. That's what he's sort of been known for in the lower leagues. Also kicking three goals three, it's what you want to see, but it's that exciting high-flying marking that will get him as one of the most uh, fan-favorite players in the league. Yeah, alongside Ryan up forward there, Jack Darling kicked four goals straight, and uh, obviously they've still got Josh Kennedy to come back in. Last year, what we could tell from West Coast is when Kennedy didn't play, they looked no good, and when they're away from home, they looked no good. So they've come over to Melbourne, and they've won a match without their best player, and really looked impressive in the forward line, which normally falls apart without the structure, without one of the best goal kickers in the league there, which is understandable, but they didn't let that happen. I don't know whether times are changing. Um, I'll be interested to see next time they come to Melbourne or you know, fly across the country, whether they can put a performances as impressive as this one out. Um, another thing we see uh, benefiting the Eagles is Nick Nat played another pretty good game, but we're still seeing him play that 56% game time. That didn't go up from last week at all. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether he gets sort of progressively longer and longer game time as the season goes on or whether he sort of gets rested throughout the year. Um, we had a bit of a discussion about that off air, about whether he's a good choice in, in regular Supercoach, and I think you sort of talked me out of him. I, I went for Jared Witts, but uh, yeah, it be very interesting to see how Nick Nat develops throughout the season interesting whether the eagles can keep it up whether this was sort of a, a indication that the eagles are going to be playing some good footy or maybe just the dogs looking very very poor yeah i'm sure if nick Nat goes back to averaging 130 you're gonna let me hear all about it i definitely was advocating against that one just with that low game time percentage we saw his score drop from the week before you're not always going to get 35 hit outs off 50 percent game time so we saw his score go down a bit um and jared witz looked impressive again so can't say that's a bad call so far one bad call I am sort of regretting is uh, when I was choosing my one upset for the week last week, I was deciding between whether to tip the Tigers over the Crows or whether to tip Port over the Swans. And uh, obviously, I've gone for the Tigers, and that was a pretty average call in the end. Yeah, Port really stunned everyone, didn't they? Going up to Sydney, that's a really hard trip for them, and they were just really impressive in the middle. Ollie Wines, the star for mine, 35 touches, 12 clearances, uh, just a really impressive performance. Yeah, an all-round uh, midfield performance from Port, really. Ollie Wines, as you mentioned, Robbie Gray, Travis Spoke, they were all sort of doing it, um, all except Tom Rockliffe. Yeah, Rocky in one of my Supercoach teams coming out with a 17. His, his stats just were non-existent, had one good handball for the game, and that's about all he did. Yeah, nine touches at 22%, um, very un-Rockliffe-like. Um, normally, you'd either see him pulling up the big touches or at least kicking a few goals up forward, but he's done neither this game, and as you said, Scored 17 points, which I, as soon as I saw that, I thought, all right, he must have got injured in the first quarter or something. But no, he's actually played the whole game and managed only 17 points, which is very rare from Tom Rockliffe. 
I don't know if this is going to be a positional thing where they're trying to have him in one spot now when the full team's in or when everyone's around, he'll change throughout the year. But I can't even play him on my super coach field at the moment. And he was one of my first few picked. I thought he'd be back to his contested possession bests in a midfield that had good, strong bodies around him. But I don't know. He's just not playing the same uh, position of footy and level of skill that he did at Brisbane. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, one of the other players, Port players, I do have in my Supercoach team is, as you mentioned, Travis Boak was super impressive on the day with his 22 touches and two goals. But what really was impressive and good to see was he had seven rebounds, 50, six inside 50s and five clearances, two goals. That's getting all around the ground. He was in defense. He was in the middle. He was up forward and, yeah, just all over the ground. Very impressive from the old boy and Travis Spoke. And at the other end of the spectrum, they've had a youngster play quite well for the second week in a row. Uh, Marshall's kicked another three goals, bringing his total up to seven and probably pretty unlucky to get Pip for the Rising Star nomination. Yeah, two really good weeks for, for Marshall now. And you love to be a young key forward in a team with a lot of good midfielders putting it down your throat. So he's being the beneficiary of that at the moment. Um, was highly touted in his draft year. Didn't really show too much um, last year in his first outings, but um, really is looking the goods at the moment. One of their other young boys, Bonner, sort of tailed back a bit on last week with only 18 touches and the 76 Supercoach points, but definitely one that we're seeing traded in a lot of teams there, still getting the ball in his hands coming out of the back line. For the Swans, Buddy Franklin managed to slot through another four goals, bringing his season tally to 12, and I believe that puts him in front of the Coleman. Yeah, looking the goods, isn't he, buddy? He's ageless and still looking impressive. Port's defensive really well on him. He's picking up. I'm sure everyone's seen the highlights of his snaps and stuff where he's just, he can find goals from anywhere. But I thought the defense Port had on him was, was really good and one of the factors that won the game. Um, but really, it was just impressive to see. Sydney had a good midfield um, output. They had Kennedy get 20 contested touches and Parker 17. And, and that Port midfield was still able to get on top with those stars really playing well for Sydney. So it's it's really looking good for Port Adelaide. And let's not forget, Ryder didn't play in this match. Yeah, Charlie Dixon stepping into the ruck and doing a very good job. Uh, I think we both had a bit of a joke about picking Charlie Dixon in Supercoach um, before round one, saying that uh, you know he might get the scores, but he's not really a player that either of us are going to trust in our teams. But he's proven us wrong so far. Yeah, it's, I labelled him as one of those players where he always scores well, but I'll still never choose him in draft. But um, no, he's playing well, and those those ruck minutes are really going to improve his scoring. I reckon over the next month or so, when Ryder's not in the team, I'd love to have him lining up in my forward line. So if anyone is going to tra- offer me the trade, I'll probably snap it up. Wrapping up the week of footy on Easter Monday, the Cats took on the Hawks, and it was a cracking game. Final scores, I think it was 118 to 117 there in the end. And uh, the thing that everyone was there to watch, I think, was the Danger, Ablett, Selwood midfield, and they've all done pretty well. Um, 31 touches and two goals for Danger, 35 and one for Ablett, and 29 and one for Selwood. Unfortunately, not enough to get them over the line. Yeah, super impressive midfield, just as we expected. We all thought that maybe there weren't going to be enough touches to go around, but we see Avlick at 39 last week, 35 this week. Kelly having the best two-game debut performances you'll ever see with 27 and 27. Uh, Danger back to his best. We still have Duncan to come back into this team, didn't play on the weekend, so they just have a host of players that can play, but that's not enough to win every game. And Hawks managed to get um, on top in a lot of areas of the ground with players like Big Boy McAvoy really had an impressive um, impressive display on the ruck against a undersized um, Reece Stanley. And um, yeah, they just had really, really impressive team play. Yeah, the Hawks look great. Um, their ball movement's back, so that you know, very impressive ball movement that they had throughout their premiership years, just hitting targets as they moved down the field, was definitely back, and they look very impressive. Um, 
some bad news for them. Sean Burgoyne going off with a hamstring. I think it was early in the first or second quarter. So he probably won't be seen for a few weeks. And maybe neither will Sicily. He's thrown the knee in Selwood's head there. Yeah, Sicily, this is it's the reason I chose to go away from him in my Supercoach formats this year is because he's a hothead and he'll get suspended. Um, We haven't heard whether this one is a suspension yet, but he definitely did get a few hits into Dangerfield on the ground and um, he his output wasn't as good as we saw last week with the Collingwood boys just bombing it onto his head. He, he didn't get onto it as much as he did with a with a classier Geelong midfield kicking into the 50. Um, Yeah, you reckon he'll probably go for these or... Yeah, I think the the knee that he's dropped into Salwood's head there on the ground, it's definitely going to cost him um, at least one week, potentially longer. Um, we'll see what the one-man match review panel comes up with for this one, but I don't think he'll be lining up next week against the Tigers. One of the Hawthorne boys that will definitely be lining up is, is Tom Mitchell. He had 40 touches to go along with his 54 last week. We saw him get 13 clearances out of that midfield where he was probably one of the best players on the ground. and. People are actually going to start asking the question whether Sam Mitchell's not going to be the best Mitchell to ever play for Hawthorne, which is it, you you wouldn't have never never believed that if someone told you that two years ago. Yeah, very impressed from young Tommy. Uh, just putting the touches up on the board, as you mentioned, doing it week in, week out now, and probably uh, high up there in the Brownlow voting at this point, Lee. Yeah, um, a lot of my uh, bold predictions from the start of the year not going so well, but Tom Mitchell to win the Brownlow's one that's I'm going to hold my hat on. I think he's probably on six votes after the two wins, and um, I expect him to poll big this year. As we mentioned at the start of the podcast, um, round two is a pretty awful uh, week of tips for us, although I imagine that was probably the case for a lot of tipsters out there. Um, prediction model got three out of nine. Lee, you also managed to pick up three out of nine with the exact same tips, and Unfortunately, I picked one upset there, and there were six upsets for the week, and I didn't get one of them, so uh, I'm sitting on a depressing two out of nine for the week. Yeah, all I can say is it's only up from here, um, and one of the good things is that we're still running this model with last year's statistics and not this year's, so again, we've had to tip this week. We just didn't have the numbers of data to, to increase this year's into the uh, into the model's tips for this week, but come next week, I think we'll start being able to put that data in, and um, hopefully we'll be getting some really big tips for them coming out of uh, round four and five. So I'll give you the models predictions for next week. It's got uh, the following teams to win. Pies, Port, Dees, Fremantle, Sydney, Crows, Tigers, Dons, and Cats. Um, it's most confident about Port getting up over the Lions. It says 92% chance that Port win that game. And it's saying there's a few tough ones to tip here. It's got the Dons getting over the Dogs with a 54% chance of a win, and Sydney getting over GWS with a 56% chance. So it'll be interesting to see whether those are close games. We'll maybe go through game by game now and then give our tips for the um, for the round. So first of all, we've got the Blues and the Pies. I think I'll go along with the model here. I like the Pies in that one. Yeah, I also think the Pies are a decent chance here, but I have locked in the Pies to go 0-5 or 0-6 or whatever it was, Buckley getting sacked, so I'm going to have to tip the Blues, I think. I could see crazier things happening. I mean, we've seen both of those teams have sort of good patches of play and really poor ones. So I expect that game to be closer than people think. Um, next of all, we have Port Adelaide taking on the Lions. Um, I've got to take Port Adelaide there. They look really strong. Yeah, I tipped the Lions round one, even though we're obviously not favoured. And don't think I can do that again. I think this is probably going to be a pretty easy win for Port, unfortunately. Next, we've got the D's in North Melbourne. Um, probably one that North Melbourne fans quite like attending. I think that they haven't lost to um, the Melbourne team in it's about 10 years or so. I know they beat them twice last year, sort of being the one team that stopped Melbourne getting into the finals. Um, I think this is the year that the D's break it. I think that they've got to get this win over North Melbourne. Yeah, I agree. The Demons, I think, on paper at least, should get this win, and I'm going to tip them to get this win. So Demons for me. 
Next of all, we have Gold Coast playing Fremantle over at Optus Stadium. Um, I'm going to go with Frio over there at Optus. They really like that ground, it seems. Yeah, um, the game being in Perth is obviously a huge factor here, but I am going to go with Gold Coast. I think they've started the season well. It'll be interesting to see whether Stewie do keep that going and get a few wins on the board early. So I've gone with Gold Coast for this tip. Next one, we've got the game of the round for mine. It's uh, the... What do they call it? Battle of the Bridge, Sydney and GWS. Um, the model's going for Sydney here, but I really like the Giants. I think they're running on top of the ground at the moment and looking like they might get the win. Yep, that is where people run. So uh, I've also gone with the Giants. Uh, as you mentioned, they're managing to stay above the surface of the earth, which is great. And uh, yeah, I'm going to tip them as well. I think this should be a cracker of a game. Next up, we have the Crows taking on the Saints. Um, not even I can tip my boys after last weekend's performance, I expect. Maybe even with a few injuries from um, Adelaide, they'll still come down and get the win. Yeah, look, when you lose to North Melbourne by 40-odd points, I don't think anyone's going to tip you the next week, especially against a grand finalist from last year. So I think the Crows have got this one easy, and it'll be interesting to see if they do manage to blow it out, whether there's any pressure coming from the media on Richardson. Speaking of uh, grand finalists from last year, we've got the Tigers and the Hawks, which is probably going to be a really interesting game and one that I'm going to back the Tigers in to win. Yeah, Tigers always seem to get over the Hawks. Uh, as you mentioned before, like North getting over the Demons, even though they're a bit highly rated. Um, Tigers were able to get over the Hawks, even when the Hawks were sort of the premier team in the competition. Um, I'm actually going to go the other way here, though. So I think the Hawks have looked pretty good last couple of weeks, especially yesterday. And Tigers, you know, they managed to get over Carlton. That didn't look too impressive there. And then obviously going down to the Crows didn't look too impressive there either. So I'm going to go with the Hawks here in a bit of an upset. Next, we have the Dogs taking on Essendon at Etihad Stadium. Um, one game that really both teams need to win. Everyone will probably call me crazy, but I'm going to back the Dogs into this one. I think that they've got the brand of footy that can beat the Essendon team if they play at their best. And um, I reckon Bevo will be really punishing them this week if they can't bring that contested footy. Yeah, I'm sorry, mate. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> going to go with the Dons here. Going to go with the model and, uh, and say the Dons are good. I just think they've looked a bit more impressive in their two outings so far. And final game of the round, we've got the Eagles and the Cats. Um, I'm going to go with the Cats with that midfield. I reckon Duncan will come in, and that'll be the first time we see the Ablett, Duncan, Selwood, and Dangerfield options. Yeah, the Fab Four, and then obviously also adding in Tim Kelly there, who looked very impressive. First two outings, as you mentioned, uh, they're going to get it done, I think. Just too impressive through the middle, and, and generally just around the ground for West Coast, I think. So I'm going with the Cats on this one. We'll finish up here with the talking point of the week we always try and do, and, and mine is just a bit of a discussion about which coach, I mean, every year there's there's always a bit of a discussion in the media about coaches uh, getting sacked and the media sort of starts to call for people's heads, and I think at the moment there's a few that are probably under the pump. Buckley, obviously, I've mentioned, I think could go at some point with the bit of the curse that I've put on him there, and he's going to find himself under a bit of pressure, I think, if the losses start to pile up, and then, Lee, I've seen a few people calling for Richo's head. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that performance on the weekend um, was more player-based than coaching-based. I reckon the amount of missed kicks and the amount of horrible play that came out of the players was really why we looked so bad on the weekend rather than the coaching aspect of it. So, yeah, definitely under the pump. I've heard a lot of people calling him out from um, last week's performance, which is fair enough because what the team dished out wasn't good enough. Um, Yeah, I'd probably lean towards Bucks. I reckon that he's the one that... As we said, they've already lost these first two games. After Carlton this week, they got a horror three games in a row, I think it is. So I reckon if he goes down this week, it could be could be the start of the end for him. So he's probably my tip. Both of them are under contract, which could save them, I guess, although we know that they're not really worth too much these days. Um, 
you'll probably know for a few years now, I haven't really been on the Richo bandwagon. Don't think he's terrible or anything, but I'm not really sold on him as of yet. Definitely not sold on Bucks. One out of left field, though, Luke Beveridge could find himself in a bit of strife uh, if these sort of poor performances continue. Yeah, definitely one I thought about when you brought up the topic, but I reckon after you win a premiership for a club that hasn't won one for so long, they're going to back him in for a while. I reckon he'll be pretty safe. He was coach of the year in that premiership as well, if I'm not mistaken. So I reckon he's probably the best security of the three. Um, in terms of the other ones, I think that something that's always underrated in this is St. Kilda's not the richest club and paying out a two-year contract for a coach and finding a new coach to come in might be a bit difficult. But a little little tidbit that I've heard from little internet waves is apparently Robert Harvey who has been doing his assistant coaching over at Collingwood and different clubs, um, was spotted at one of St Kilda's practice matches over at Casey Fields, just coming to have a look. So he's still obviously got ties to the club, and I reckon if someone's moved on, he might be a sneaky bet to pull up a job. Tell you what, I've watched uh, Vossi go to the old club. I've watched Hurd do it. I've watched Bucks do it. I don't think that's a great idea, Lee. We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, it hasn't worked out bringing favourite sons in. Um, but uh, he, he's, a, he's a coach that's done an apprenticeship at different places, and I reckon that next time a job comes up, he'll be throwing his hands up, whether it's St Kilda or somewhere else. And we'll, we'll close it with one more uh, talking point of the week. I'll bring up the fact that we've had key forwards. They're back. Buddy kicking eight. We had Tom Lynch kicking eight and Ben Brown kicking six. Um, do you think that's something we'll see a lot more of this year? And is there anyone that's taken your eye from the matchups this week that might get on the scoreboard? Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a theme now. Um, big key forwards kicking huge bags is back, and I'm sure everyone's going to be glad about that. Uh, looking forward to round three. If I had to tip one of them to kick a big bag. I'd probably go with Jesse Hogan lining up against North. Um, obviously, North looking pretty impressive on the weekend, but they are rated as generally sort of a bottom four side. Um, Demons rated a bit higher. And Jesse Hogan, as we mentioned before, having a great game against the Lions, picking up 22 touches, um, 10 scoring involvements, nine marks, two contested, kicking five goals, four tackles. So he's sort of doing it all. Um, obviously, had a very tough year on both the football and personal perspective last season, but we all know that he's got the talent to be one of the premier forwards, if not the premier forward in the competition. So I'll say Hogan could, you know, maybe kick six, seven against North if all goes to plan. Yeah, he's in really good form. Um, I think the other teams you'd probably look at is probably both of our mobs haven't been doing too well in those key position stocks. So maybe a, a Charlie Dixon against the Lions or a, or a big Tex Walker against the Saints might both be in for pretty nice weekends. All right, that's all we've got time for this week. We'll hopefully see you next week on the Science of Footy podcast, go over some of the tips and hopefully we have a Bit of a better week than two out of two or three out of nine. <laughs> we'll see how we go. See you next week.